All right. Having a little fun there because they call them the three amigos, Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. And the three leaders are meeting in Mexico. And actually, I have no idea what's on the agenda this time, except probably border issues, because the president of the United States actually went to his southern border, which is a political flashpoint, and also at the moment, uh, somewhat of a social uh, disaster. So listen, to give us some perspective on this, we are joined by former NDP leader and former leader of the opposition in Ottawa, CTV political analyst Thomas Mulcair. Happy Monday, Thomas Mulcair. <laughs> Good to be with you, John Moore. Okay, so at these international summits, uh, they always they call them the Sherpas. I mean, normally, people have already held meetings. They've decided what they're going to agree to. The documents are drawn. So these guys get together, post for some pictures, have a lovely dinner, and uh, it, what's done is done. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, the Sherpas, of course, they're the guides. The people who knock the whole thing together for you. And as you correctly say, most of this stuff is is you know, coordinated in advance. So what's the purpose? You know, why is it important that the Canadian prime minister, the U.S. president, and the Mexican president get together? It's to show that North America exists. I mean, look look at what we've been through in terms of democracy around the world for the past decade or so. We saw January 6th, a couple of years ago, people invading the U.S. Capitol. We just saw the same thing in Brasilia. And Brazil is coming out of a very tough time. They've got a new government installed, but we find out that the army and the police aren't very keen on protecting their own institutions. So it's the idea of saying, this is important. We have three big democracies that function. Yes, we have, like you just said, important border issues, but overall we're treating it, you know, we're working in a free trade zone. We cooperate a lot together. We're going to keep an eye on each other. The Americans are coming up with a spending program that's going to make sure that all the money flows to American companies, which is essentially a breach of what we still call the NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. So it's important to know the people you're dealing with, and that's why I think this Three Amigos thing is taking place. There's no substantive single issue other than immigration that you just mentioned. Right. So I was going to ask you to follow on what appeared in the Sun newspaper chain, I think, in the National Post was the assertion that Justin Trudeau is kind of a sideshow in all of this, but you know they they frequently like to talk down Canada's role on the, uh, internationally. Are we a sideshow in this three-way summit? I think we can say a lot of things that are positive and negative about our Prime Minister on the international stage. Justin Trudeau is respected, and and I don't think that uh, the Sun Media Group can change anything about that. I think that Trudeau is respected because he is now one of the longest-serving leaders of a government in the G7. And of course, he takes place takes part in the one we just described. We're part of the Asia Pacific groups. I mean, we're there at a lot of these conferences. We sometimes complain. You and I talked about it before Christmas. He sort of disappeared to to do a whole suite of these meetings. But let's not kid ourselves. Justin Trudeau is recognized and respected internationally. Canada is recognized and respected internationally as a very free place, despite the fact that somebody wants to hold his next election campaign about making Canadians free. Guess what? We're one of the freest places on earth, and we have sound democratic institutions, and we should be proud of them. Okay, before we get to Bill Morneau, I did want to touch on something that you touched on a moment ago, which is what was going on in Brasilia, which is one of the freakiest capitals in the world. Uh, But in Brazil, where I, I find it worrisome now that it seems to be legitimized that if you don't like the results of an election, then you go sack your capital building. Yeah, and nobody does anything about it. And this is the same problem here, of course. In the U.S., we were in a transition when January 6th took place, and it was very difficult to understand. But, of course, Trump was still the president, still had the title, stood there, excited the crowd, 
incited them to go in. And that was the story of January 6th. Here, you see the police and the army holding back. They're more pro-Bolsonaro. They let this thing get out of hand. And I think that the government didn't push any harder than it could have to say, okay, you know, clamp down on them. Because letting this thing play out, showing the crazies sacking the Supreme Court and all of the government buildings in Brasilia, beautiful capital, of course, one of the few purpose-built capitals goes back about 60 years or so. And I think that the world is just watching and saying, well, who's next? You know, Brazil's been through a lot. (laughs) And they were starting to get back to stable institutions. And then this happens. It's going to stay as a reminder of how fragile our democracies are. are. John, we always look at our our governments and say, well, this is just the way it is. You know, this will continue. And we've seen in the past couple of years that we should never take this for granted. So let's talk about Bill Morneau, finance minister yeah. for five years. Uh, you would have heard Vashi perhaps a few minutes ago saying she doesn't know necessarily that he's done with his political career. Um, I'll let you take this in any direction you want, Thomas Mulcair, because I I know why he wants this stuff to be on the public record, but I couldn't think of anything less compelling than five years of a finance minister's memoirs. <laughs> Well said, Mr. Moore. I had the exact same feeling. Well, first of all, tip, tip of the hat to, to Vashi Capellos for a great interview with Bill Morneau. But I was scratching my head. Like, the guy left in 2020. This just in, it's 2023. And so what exactly are you trying to tell us? You know, if somebody had asked you a quiz question yesterday saying, okay, there's a privileged, entitled, rich guy who's going to come up with a memoir and say how unfair things are, you would have said, Prince Harry. But no, it was Bill Morneau. Well, I was thinking Elon territory. Musk, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. Musk is even better because he doesn't <laughs> think that he should stand trial in California because it would be so unfair. I mean, this is the thing that we're dealing with, right? These really rich people bemoaning the, their fate. So Morneau comes up with this story. He knows exactly what he's doing. He has dropped a big mine in the shipping lane of Justin Trudeau, who was trying to get ready, you know, to navigate towards an election this year. And what does he do? He hints that, well, I tried to warn this guy who doesn't understand anything about the dangers of inflation. Can you just imagine how many quotes from Bill Morneau's book are going to wind up in the questions that Pierre Poitiev and other conservatives are asking a question period? So this is a gift to the conservatives. It is a toxic uh, thing that he's just done to his former party and, and leader. But I guess Morneau just found it more important to talk about himself and to say how unfair things were. I I, I was not very impressed by his interview. I loved the, you know, the, this great great uh, you know, gentlemanly tone that he uses as he talks about all this, as if he was just being, you know, an innocent bystander. This is not innocent. This is going to hurt Trudeau. It's going to drag around for a while. And I, and I still, for, I can't understand what his, what his interest was in doing this, as I say, almost three years later. Well, there's an aspect of self-absolution to it as well. Yes. It's like, we spent too sure. much money, but I had to. They made me. <laughs> yes, they, they dragged me in kicking and screaming. I told them not to do it. And, you know, exactly. You know, if you look at the very first program that they came out with, and you could see the fine hand of everybody in the finance and revenue department saying, oh, well, we've got to have a lot of barricades. We've got to have barriers and hoops and things for people to get over because otherwise this money is just going to flow to Canadian families that just lost their jobs and can't put food on the table. I think that this is the thing that Trudeau will always be recognized for having done right during the pandemic. We've got almost everything wrong at the border, but with regard to letting money flow into the hands of Canadian families, who, by the way, this is a fact, the average Canadian family does not have more than two weeks' pay in the bank, 
Well, they, they got money. They were able to take care of their families. Millions of Canadians lost their jobs overnight when this thing hit the hardest. And the feds and Trudeau pushed aside the finance department, much to his credit. Morneau didn't allow the rules that were being pushed by, by the, you know, the people who look at these things in terms of finance and taxes were saying, look, if you're going to be giving hundreds of billions to companies, make sure that they've got a good track record. For example, not letting their money flow into tax havens. Morneau wouldn't have anything to do with that. So there's going to be a lot of second thought about whether or not Morneau was wise in putting this thing out right now. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Great to talk to you, John. All the best.